Welcome to another inspiring message from David Hall, pastor of LifePoint Church, Adelaide, Australia. It's our sincere prayer that you would experience the presence and power of the Holy Spirit as you listen to this message. For more information, please visit davidhall.com.au. If you have a Bible today, I'd love you to turn with me, please. We're, gonna, we're just going to walk through the Bible. I, I've really got one thought that I want to just really work over this morning. At the moment, we're in between series. We'll start a series after Father's Day. For the next two Sundays, I get to just preach a little bit off script and, and just really preach what God's been dealing with me on, just some of the stuff that I've just spent time discovering in my own devotions and in my own prayer life, in my own time with God over the last few weeks. And, and this, is, this is really uh, something that I believe God wants to speak to us today as a reminder, uh, as an encouragement, and just to speak into your heart. So if you have your Bible Turn with me, please, the book of Joshua. Uh, the book of Joshua. Deuteronomy. Joshua. Joshua is a great book. And I don't spend a lot of time preaching out of the book of Joshua. Today I'm not really either. But I want to show you two verses out of the book of, uh, out of chapter 1. And he, and he says this. In verse 5, he says, and, and God's speaking to Joshua, calling Joshua, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Verse 6, be of good courage, be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it on the right hand. Uh, sorry, to, Jesus, help me. I'm not reading well. It's dark and I'm going blind. So, And this is a bigger Bible. I want to be able to go like that, but it doesn't zoom in when I do that like it does on this. He, he says this, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper everywhere you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate, it on it, meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then he will make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. Isn't that cool? Right there. And that's not even what I'm preaching about. I'm, I'm looking at verse 5 and here at verse 9. He says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now let's have a look at verse 5 for just a minute. He says, No man shall be able to stand, stand before you all the days of your life. Now this promise is an interesting promise because he says, I was with Moses. Somebody say, with Moses. Okay, so he's talking about past. I will be with you, present. I will not leave you or forsake you, future. God makes a promise to Joshua right there that I'm with you in your past, I'm with you in your present, uh, and I'm with you in your future. Can I just say, I can look back in my past and see that God is with me. I can see right now that God's with me. And can I tell you, I can see by the promises of God that God will continue to be with me because he's with me past, present, future. Let's have a look at another scripture, Matthew 28. It says this, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven. This is verse 18. In heaven and on earth, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, and by the way, incidentally, 
I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Revelation 21 verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. David writes in Psalm 23 verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Zephaniah 3.17. Now, this is a promise of God uh, concerning the restoration of Israel, but it's still a promise to us. What he promised to his people, we've entered into. Even though we're a pack of Gentiles here this morning, we still step into the blessing and the favor of God because we've entered his bloodline. He says this, Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord your God is in your midst. Somebody say amen if you believe that this morning. The mighty one will save. He'll rejoice over you with gladness. He'll quiet you with his love. He'll rejoice over you with singing. Let's have a look at our final scripture for a minute this morning. Uh, I know I have seven scriptures to open the message today, but I really want to show you something that God's been showing me. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 21. And it it says this, And she will bring forth a son... And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people, I love this, from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through his prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Somebody say God with us. Have a look at your neighbor and say, you know, God is with me this morning. Now look at the neighbor you rejected and say, even you too. Now I want to have a look at this. By the way, I love the nine o'clock service. I feel like the nine o'clock service is just getting better and better and better and better. Now, I want to show you this for a minute. Before I get into it, I want you to stay with me because I want to show you something. I said it a couple of weeks ago, but I want to just say it again. Uh, I talked about the absolute attributes of God, attributes that God alone possesses that make him God. One of those is that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. Somebody say Everywhere. He's everywhere. He's here. He's over there. He's down there. He's back behind Carter Street. He's down at TDP. He's at Bongiorno's. He's at Chibos. He's nowhere near Gloria Jean's. But by his own choice, he chooses not to reveal himself in such carnal situations. But I'm teasing. I'm saying all of that to say this. He's everywhere. Now, I want to remind us again. Satan. I said Satan and people went, Satan is not omnipresent. The Bible tells us that he walks around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. He can't even afford a car. He has to pretend he's going. The devil ain't got nothing. I mean, he has a degree of power left over from when he was in heaven, I guess, and that's been corrupted. But at the end of the day, the devil has no power. The devil does not know your future. The de- You've got to understand that God is not playing catch up with Satan. Satan is always playing catch up with God. You've got to know that because we pray also like bad things happen. Oh God, you've got, you've got to fix this. God's going, I've, I've had this since, but what do, you, what do you think is it? This is happening because I've already fixed it. You, you've, got to, you've got to see things in the right frame of reference and understand that the devil is not powerful. He's under our feet and, and he's destroyed at Calvary. Now, I say all of that to say this. The, the, the way the enemy might seem as though he has an advantage is much like maybe a seasoned 
weather guy and, and a meteor... Help me say the word. Not a meteorite. A meteor... Keith Martin's almanac. I don't know, whatever his name. A meteorologist. I just couldn't get the word out, bless Jesus. A meteorologist has the ability to read patterns and now with technology and they can make predictions as to what's coming. They can tell by seasons. They can tell by past patterns. They can tell by the movement of the wind. But you've still got to realize they can interpret some signs and maybe have a crack at saying what's ahead. But that, the only reason the enemy can even do that is based on the signs that God has already given us. And so all he's doing is maybe interpreting some information. But can I tell you, we have the Holy Spirit who, who, who trumps anything the enemy might know and can give us insight and revelation to what God's doing, what he's going to do. The Holy Spirit says, I'll teach you things to come. The enemy is at a total disadvantage and we've got to realize that maybe he might have some tricks and he might be cunning, but he's not omnipresent. He does not possess. There is not a big contest between God and the devil. He, the Bible said, oh man, I feel this. He made a show of them openly. Try, for, this, for this purpose was a son of God manifest that he may destroy the works of the evil one. Does anyone believe in the power of Jesus this morning? So God's with us. The devil's not. The devil's defeated. And so here they say, they, they, the, the scripture says, you'll be with child, you'll bear a son and you'll call his name Emmanuel, Jesus. His name is Jesus, but they, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is created, which, which is translated it's created it's a new word it's translated god with us now if you want to get into the original language i want to show you something for a minute the hebrew word for with is im the hebrew word for us is anu the hebrew word for god is el so if you really look at the flow of this word it actually is translated best, with us is God. Emmanuel means with us is God. You've got to understand the name Emmanuel. Man, I feel this in my bones today. The na name Emmanuel is not just a name. It's a declaration. It's a, it is a statement of truth. It's a statement of fact. When you hear the word or the name Emmanuel, it's not just a name for Jesus. It's a statement and a promise concerning his position in your life that he is always perpetually with us. With us is God. Emmanuel, with us. Im, with. And you, us. El, God. With us is God. God is always with us. He's promised it all through Scripture. All through the old covenant, he promises that he's with us. You get into the new covenant, God sends his son, Jesus, and his name is Emmanuel. And even when he says, I'll be with you always and ascends to heaven, he's seated at the right hand of God. But what did he do? He sends the Holy Spirit to be around us and about us and with us. God with us. Who's the Holy Spirit? God with us. I feel his presence. I, I talk to him. I can, I can sense the reality of Jesus because with us is God. Now, I want to show you how this works this morning. I'm not going to preach too long, but I just want to, I want to give you some thoughts, encourage you, and just put some faith in your spirit today in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, can you say amen? So when it comes to the name Emmanuel, right here we see in Matthew, uh, his name's Jesus. But then it goes on to say, you shall call him Emmanuel, which tells me, that every time we see the name of Jesus, we can just swap that around and call him Emmanuel. 
because the same name points the same person. Now, I want to show you how this works when it comes maybe to rejection. God with us. You've got to understand God's not just with us. He's with us in our stuff. Now, it says this. So every challenge he faced, uh, he faced it with us in, in his mind as well as the very purpose that he came in order to fulfill things and do what God's called him to do. So we look at uh, John chapter 1, verse 11. It says he came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. And the Bible talks about he was rejected by many in other passages. Now it tells us right there that Jesus experienced rejection. So therefore, if Jesus was rejected, who was it that was in rejection? It was Emmanuel. God with us in rejection. God with us in rejection. In other words, whatever challenge Jesus faced, you can understand, he was with us when we face it as well. So if he faced rejection, you got to understand every negative thing Jesus faced, he faced it and we're in it with him. And as a result, he knows exactly the remedy for us to get out of the situation, the mire, the problem that we're in. If he's with us in rejection, God with us in rejection. Have you ever felt rejected? I felt rejected. Rejected terribly at school. I was trying for the cricket team of which my father was the coach. He never gave me a game. My own father. He's a bad, bad father. That's who he is. That's who he was. He was so desperate for the win that he put Alice Brackenzik on the cricket team ahead of me. Alice! Alice! Do I need to explain that that's a girl's name? I don't know if anyone else shares my uh, total, total poor athletic prowess, but when it would come to a, a fitness in primary school or something like that, you'd have a teacher pick two people. You, you lead one team, you lead another. And you'd see the first guy, I'll take Mark, I'll take Bob, I'll take Steve, I'll take Karen, I'll take Belinda, I'll take Dallas. I'll... There's generally two people left. I ended up having to just keep the stats, so I was a statistician. I know what rejection's like, but even in that rejection, God was with me. Can I tell you, I know what real rejection is too. I'm sure you do as well. When you're feeling alone, it's always good to have that reminder, hey, God's with me in this. He experienced it 2,000 years ago, so he could jump in it with me right now. God with us. God with us in rejection. With us is God in my rejection. When you feel marginalized, when you feel like maybe you've got family challenges, maybe you've been through a marriage bust up, maybe you've been through a whole lot of things right now and all you're feeling is rejection. Can I tell you one thing? Uh, it may not make it easier right now. It may not help, but it's still good for our perspective is that God is with us. With us is God in rejection. Number, number two, Bible says in John eleven thirty five, 35, Jesus wept. In Isaiah 53, verse 3, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. So we talk about sorrow. When Jesus was sorrowful, who was it in sorrow? Emmanuel in sorrow. With us is God in sorrow. God is with us in sorrow. I know this is simple, but I, I really feel like God wanted me to share this with you today. When you're feeling sad 
I don't know if anyone ever has just felt sad. Some of you went to the football, was it last night, Friday night? Paul Vinton went to the football Friday night. It was sad. (laughs) Three points. Three points. I was asleep. But maybe some of you have been through disappointments. Right there, Jesus lost his best friend. And, and can you imagine, we know the story of Lazarus dying and Jesus was running late to heal him. There was, a, there, there was probably a bit of tension between the humanity of Jesus and the deity of Jesus. Because Jesus knew he had to obey the will of the Father, yet his own emotions, his own love for his friend, he suffered when his friend died. And at the end of the day, if he had done something sooner, he would have been stepping outside of the will of the Father, and he could not do that. So he was, hands were tied, and it looked bad on him that he didn't come and help his friend quick enough. So many emotions, there's disappointment in him. He was misunderstood, absolutely misunderstood in that moment. And the Bible says, the shortest scripture in the Bible, that Jesus, that Jesus wept. Isaiah 53, he was despised, rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Jesus When he was sorrowful, when Jesus wept, when Jesus is weeping, Emmanuel is weeping, God is with us in our weeping, in our disappointment. Can I tell you, there's nothing that you don't face that God's not in the middle of. There's nothing that you walk through that God is not with you. The the issue is not the absence of God, it's us staying aware of God, and I'll talk to you you more about that in a minute. Can we have a look at another one? Uh, There's temptation. Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest that cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. When Jesus was tempted, who was it in temptation? Emmanuel in temptation. With us is God in temptation. God is with us in temptation. When you're tempted, Jesus was tempted. Can, can, I, can I say things that we don't talk about too often? Jesus was a red-blooded human male, fully God, fully man. He would have had to overcome the same temptations as every other teenager would have faced. Isn't, isn't that, it's, it's actually amazing to realize Jesus was a teenager. Jesus went through puberty. And I mean, I mean, we don't talk about that because it's a, it's a strange thing to say concerning our God and Redeemer. But you've got to realize he went from, from birth uh, to fully grown male. He faced temptation. I, I, I don't know. I, I wonder what Jesus faced when, it, when, he, when there were girls that maybe he liked. And I'm not talking about that going down a track where you have to imagine something perverse. I'm just saying when he knew that his plan to come to earth wasn't to marry, but to redeem mankind. I wonder if maybe at the age of 27, when his earthly ministry hadn't even started and, and uh, the Holy Spirit still hadn't descended on him and he's living fully out of obedience and holding on to the revelation of the Father, Jesus faced temptation. On all fronts, he was tempted. He would have been tempted with pride. He was. The devil took him on the hilltop and said, hey, if you're really God, get yourself out of this. Command angels, blah, 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 blah. Turn this stone into bread. Show us what you've got. And Jesus had to totally live. I mean, I'd react to that. I'd be like, I can. (laughs) I'd just do it on the side. Anyway, I thought that was even funny. But that's okay. The the 11 o'clock will love it. But the point point that I'm trying to make is you think about the self-control that he had to constantly walk in. Talk about issues today. 
confronting people, the world just says, do whatever you like, just be happy. There are a lot of things that we're now saying should be made law that should be resisted. Even if it's a fight for, for your entire life, because ultimately we're not living for this life, we're living for eternity. And here's the thing, Jesus is with us in temptation. You might be feeling tempted by all kinds of things. Oh man, I can, I can tell you the other day I was in the States and there was two steaks on the menu. One was a little fillet and one was a 680 gram T-bone. I'm not going to lie to you, there was a little white angel on one shoulder and there was a little red guy on the other shoulder. I said to the white guy, I'm going to need you to leave for both of ourselves. I don't want you to see what's about to happen. Little guy in the red was totally happy with that situation. And I devoured that entire steak. I mean, it was like the whole thing off the bone to the glory of God. Uh, you say, David, do you care? I actually felt like it brought some glory to the name of Jesus, that, that this body could actually... I was tempted on all fronts. But can I tell you, we, we are going to get tempted. And when we're tempted, Jesus is with us in our temptation. When we're tempted to have a bad attitude, when we're tempted to be self-centered, when we're tempted to be whatever, God's with us and he knows. And so we go, well, you don't understand. God's going, I was tempted on every front. The Bible, I love the Bible. The Bible sometimes just throws out a little scripture that says so much, every front. Oh yeah, but that can't mean this, mm -hmm. means that. Yeah, but not that, mm -hmm. that, that, yeah. Yep, even online gaming. And online gambling, Jesus faced that temptation. <laughs> he was very faithful with it. He didn't do it. Tempted on every front. Listen, yet without sin. I want to tell you that if you've been tempted, just know that there's someone in there with you. That God's with you. He's not mad at you. He gets it. He knows what it's like. And he pulled through because he held on to his Father in heaven. And by the anointing of the Spirit of God, we can come through. I'm not saying we're not going to sin. I'm not saying we're not going to mess up. We all are. I've got so many sins yet that I've got to commit. Uh, there's heaps of them. But at the end of the day, I'm going to do my best to keep them small and keep them few and far between and hold on to Jesus and trust God that, that he'll be with me in my temptation. I've noticed that opportunity knocks. Temptation knocks your door down, walks in and grabs you by the throat. It, it, temptation will come to you. It's amazing. Temptation will come to you. But I want to tell you, God is with us in our temptation. Do you believe that this morning? Let's have a look at another one. Maybe in the storms of life. It says in Luke chapter 8, And they came to him and awoke him, verse 24, saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. Keep in mind, Jesus is in this boat. And he rose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to them, Where's your faith? They were afraid and marveled, saying one to another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water to obey him. When Jesus was in the storm, who was in the storm? Emmanuel was in the storm. With us is God in the storm. God with us in the storm. You're going through storms of life. Just remember, with us is God in the storm. And my finances are all over the place. My family's falling apart. My friends are walking out on me or... I don't know how I'm going to face tomorrow. I've got all these challenges ahead of me. Everything's going wrong. What do I got to do? I, I just feel like I'm in a storm. God with us. Jesus with you. He's with you in a storm. Isn't that amazing? Maybe today you're feeling quite 
feel like everything's pretty breezy and it's pretty good, but there's people in this room right now, the world is just a chaotic mess right now because everything's just going wrong. Can I tell you, God is with us. There's an old song, Jesus is with me when the storm clouds gather. He's standing by my side as I hear thunder roll. Anyway, I like that kind of music. But he's with us. He's with us in the storm. Sometimes the enemy brings storms to intimidate, to confront. But God is with us. Somebody say, God with us. Come on, say it with a bit of faith this morning. Say, God with us. Here's another one. This is exciting. This is a happy one. Gladness. Now, you've got to realize in John 11, Jesus experienced two very serious emotions. The Bible says Jesus wept. And then when Lazarus arose from the dead, the Bible says Jesus was glad. So if Christ was glad, the Bible says he rejoiced. He had the opportunity of seeing Lazarus raised from the dead, that their faith might be increased. 20 verses apart, Jesus gets up in verse 35 uh, of John 11, and the Bible says that he was rejoicing. Can I tell you, he's with us in our, in our sadness, our sorrow, our weeping, our problems, our temptation. But right here, we see God with us. Emmanuel, Jesus. Emmanuel in gladness. God is with us in our gladness. Can I talk about that for a minute? Often we, we, we're aware of God in the tough times. Oh, things are bad. Oh, thank God I can sense his presence. What about when things are going good? Are you aware of the, the reality that God's with us? When, when you're living in victory, are you, are you aware that God's with us? Often we hold on to God when there's problems, but, but we don't hold on to God in times of victory where, where, when things are up and up. Do you know, you, you find lonely, broken, damaged people, they get saved easy. But you find people in, in, in the city that are up and blessed and prosperous, the, the, the down and out get saved, the up the up and out, they take a long time. Why? Because everything's good. So they don't actually sense that, uh, that, 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 that need to be aware of the God factor. I tell you, I can go to New Zealand. I love New Zealand. I don't even know why I thought of it. I could say Australia as well. But you go Australia, New Zealand, or the United States, or Canada. You'll pray for a few people and God will do some things. But man, you get into places like uh, India or, or the Philippines, or, or you get into some countries that are full of poverty or oppressive governments, or you'll see miracles happen because these people know that they're only hope is Jesus. Their, their only hope is the King of Glory. And can I tell you, I want us to be a people as Life Point Church that we're not just people that hold on to God when there's trouble, but we hold on to God in the good times. Because if we lose hold of God when things are good, it's a very fast way to get hardness of heart and distance from God. Because somewhere in there, we start to think it's our own ability and our own talent. Uh, Deuteronomy tells us, uh, he, he says, just remember, you need to remember. Uh, and and uh, it's a promise for all of us. And we need to know this, that it's actually God who gives us the power to make wealth, to get blessed. And, and we've got to realize when it comes to every good thing that's happening in our lives, we cannot live at a level where everything's wonderful and we, we're unaware of the goodness of God. Even in our gladness, God is with us. In our victories, God is with us. In our, in, in our times of outpouring and blessing, God's with us. On the mountaintop, in the valley, God's with us. And here's the thing, we need to be God aware. I've preached in times gone by, we've got to be God-inside-minded, aware of what God's doing in our church. It would be so easy uh, as a church to go, okay, we've grown. We said to our leaders just the other day that I think our attendance is up 60% just this year on a Sunday morning. And that's a, that's a wonderful step, but that doesn't mean sit back and, and not be holding on to God. We've got to be praying just as much. We've got to keep believing for souls just as much. I, I, you know what? Larger churches, churches get larger, they, they grow slower because people get content. I never want us to get content. When God's blessing is on us, when God's faith 
favor is on us, when we feel the favor of God, that's still a time to hold on to God for dear life in times of favor, saying, God, I won't let you go. Jacob of old, he said, I will not let you go till you bless me. I want to tell you, I do not want this church to be built without God. I don't want whatever we're doing to happen just because we, we love God and so we're doing this for God. And, and that's really as far as it goes. I want God in every single part of what's happening. I want his anointing on this platform. I want his anointing in our seats. I want his anointing in our staff meetings, in our leaders meetings, in our home groups, in our kids ministry. The reality of, of, of the spirit of God, because if God's with us, I want to feel that 24-7, that God's with me. Come on, somebody. Are you with me this morning? Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise if you believe. God with us. How does it work? James 4.8, the Bible says, I'm going to give you two scriptures, then I'm going to close. James 4.8 says, draw near to God. Maybe it was you playing today, Penny, if you could come, that'd be great. Thank you so much. It says, draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. <laughs> Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Thanks, James. James gives us this word, but he says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Have you noticed, when it comes to reconciliation, when it comes to relationships, often what will fix a relationship, you draw near. Another person will draw near. Often that first step is the hardest because you've got to overcome so much. Well, it's not my fault. I didn't do the wrong thing. I'm right. I'm right about a lot of things, Pastor Keith. Pretty much everything. But I'll still take that step because the relationship's more important than being right. Let me say, when you look for a friend, when you're like, okay, I need a new friend. What am I looking for in a friend? Bubbly, that's cool. Bit of fun. Like to hang out and have fun. Yep. They're always right. That's not on the list. That's on my non-friend list. Because there's not room for two of us. But you... But are you following what I'm saying? And that's in, that's in the natural. When you, I, I believe you with God, because the pattern of Scripture shows us. I believe with God. It's, I've said, I said it the other week. Getting saved is just ridiculously easy. It's the most unfair deal that God has ever done. It costs Him everything. It costs us very little. We take one step. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Done. He takes ten thousand steps. Takes a million steps. Affinity time is three hundred and seventy-five. He. We just take the one, draw it to God, and he'll come.